I'm sure at some point in your life you have been there where everything just comes unraveled. You've been working hard for a number of things, but it all falls apart. Rather than it be a sign of your excellence and victory, it becomes a sign of your humiliation and idiocy. The cross is the place where Jesus' light burns out. And the scriptures tell us that when Jesus' light burns out, it is the most glorious moment in Jesus' life. That doesn't make a lot of sense. When your life goes terribly wrong, and things are just not working the way that anybody around you had planned for you or you had planned for yourself, I doubt whether you would say that was your most glorious moment. So what is it that makes the cross, that moment of humiliation and devastation, that moment of scandal, of rejection and debilitation in Jesus' life, such a glorious moment? It is in retrospect that we see that. At the time, it doesn't feel glorious, it doesn't look glorious, it is not glorious, it is ugly. It is about chaos and shame. The cross for many people in the world over the centuries has been the symbol of Christianity. But when we read the story, when we think of Jesus' life, the cross is not just a symbol, it is a life. It is a life extinguished. It is a life that is wonderful, that has ended. I'm sure you can think of a life that has been wonderful for you that has ended and all the sadness that goes into that. All the questions that, where you ask and say, well, why is this God that you would let the good, the wonderful die young? And so Jesus becomes the primary paradigm for that wonderful, good person, not just dying, but being humiliated at the end of their life. We've been studying Galatians in our church, and Galatians is a book that talks a lot about the cross of Christ. Paul says in very strong language, Galatians, you need to know that the gospel in the gospel, Christ has been presented to you as publicly crucified. Paul must have gone into extraordinary detail when he pictured Jesus being crucified. He must have laid it all out so that they got the full impact of the humili humiliation. And then Paul made it clear that he himself identified with Christ I have been crucified with Christ. 
It is no longer I who lives, but it is Christ who lives in me. And the life I now live, I live by faith. I live by trust in the Son of God who loved me and gave himself for me. And later, at the end of the book, of the letter, he said, May I never boast of anything except the cross of our Lord Jesus Christ, by which the world has been crucified to me, and I've been crucified to the world. Paul is talking about a mature kind of discipleship that is beyond where most of us live. How can we celebrate being humiliated and crucified? Most of us say we are Christians. Some of us say we are disciples or followers or learners of Jesus. But in this moment of crucifixion on the cross, we are interlocked. We are chained to the whole experience of Jesus forever. And the cross is the summary of his entire life span. For Jesus spent his whole life giving up himself for other people. Paul summarized this often in his letters by saying he only preached Christ crucified and risen. In Galatians, he doesn't talk much about risen. He really only talks about Jesus crucified. You see, there was something in the Galatians that demanded that Paul keep reiterating that Jesus was crucified. I think it was because the Galatian church was trying to crucify Jesus all over again. Hey, people, don't you get it? It's been happened once. Sometimes we keep crucifying Jesus. Sometimes we keep doing stuff that absolutely continues to humiliate him and ourselves. Religion tries to control, enslave us. And sometimes we try to control and enslave each other. And sometimes leadership in the church becomes overly controlling and enslaving. I've worked hard at not doing that because I'm so big I would scare people in my slavery. But a lot of people don't go to church today because they feel like the church has adequately enslaved them and beat up on them and abused them. And they've had it. And Paul is probably still saying to us, don't you know Jesus has already been crucified? The alternative to religion of any kind is simply trusting in the resurrected Jesus, the one who has been crucified once and for all. Because Paul understood that Jesus wants to free us to serve each other and the human beings around us. Because, you see, Paul knew at one point in his life what he was doing wrong. As Saul, the religious leader, the preeminent one of his day, the most accomplished lawyer and the Benjamite of Israel, the highest position possible as a Pharisee of the Pharisees, 
He was the preeminent image of what it meant to be a successful Jewish leader. And he spent his time trying to control people who were out of line. Parents, do you feel like you spend too much of your time trying to control your kids getting out of line? Bosses, do you spend too much of your time trying to make sure your employees don't get out of line? Children, are there times when you look at your parents as they age and you say, I've got to control them because they're getting out of line? But Saul was confronted by Jesus when he said, Saul, why are you persecuting me? Why are you still beating up on me? Don't you know I'm dead and gone? And from that moment on, Saul realized that he had experienced the resurrected Jesus who had been crucified, and he said, I can't live my life this way anymore. I've got to stop trying to control other people and make them do what I want. I need to start serving them and helping them to become everything God has created them to be. Don't we get tired from trying to control other people's lives? As Republicans and Democrats, don't we get tired of trying to make the opposite party make happen what we want to have happen? We'd rather just not talk about it. That's one of the ways the church stays together. But maybe we should try another way. Maybe you should realize that we've been crucified with Christ and the job as a Democrat or Republican is to lay down our lives for the opposite party attachment. By the way, that doesn't mean you become a Republican or a Democrat. But it means you care about the people. It means that you're willing to let your ego go your opinions about what's really important in life and say, but Jesus is more important. Ken Blanchard, a business consultant, had a very strong statement about ego. E-G-O, he called it edging God out. We spend a lot of time calling ourselves Christians and then edging God out nicely and quietly. We don't want to be crucified with Christ as Paul was. Our egos can't handle it. We still have these undercurrent desires to control. We still want to have a way to get even with our anger and our rage. We want vengeance on people who don't agree with us. God, get them. And so it was that the people who crucified Jesus that day wanted vengeance. Richard Rohr, the Catholic Jesuit spiritual advisor and wise person has said this, the cross solved our problem, but it first revealed our real and deeper problem. 
our universal pattern of scapegoating and sacrificing others if we don't agree with them. He also said in another place, the human ego prefers just about anything other than failing, falling, changing, dying, losing. The ego loves the status quo because it keeps me in power. It keeps me winning. And to lose that is to be crucified. The ego wants a short circuit, a short highway between Palm Sunday and Easter. We don't want to have to go through Monday, Thursday, and Good Friday, and so the crowds show up on Easter Sunday morning by the thousands. They don't come by the thousands when Jesus is hurting. My guess is that's the same with discipleship. When Jesus is happy and healing, the thousands will show, but when Jesus is hurting on the cross, nobody really wants to be there. The egos don't want to lose, to be proven as weak or flawed. If the gospel of discipleship is lived out in five stages, Four of them seem to be very positive, but one, one where is where things go terribly wrong. From the middle of the gospel to the time that Jesus dies on the cross, things are going terribly wrong. Now here's the art of discipleship. We must see that as progressive, maturing, healing time when things are going wrong. We don't like a stage four discipleship that leads to a dark night of the soul. We don't want to be a part of that Jesus is crucified. We want to hang out by the tomb and hope he shows up soon. And so tonight, we are asking each other to please take a moment to identify as best we can with Jesus on the cross, as uncomfortable as it might make us, as little as we might really understand it. So I invite you to take your little carabiner that you can pick up as you come forward, or you may have brought one with you tonight. It's a little hook. It keeps people from falling off cliffs. Tonight we're going to use it for us to identify with Jesus who fell off a very high place into a hard, dark place. As you hook your little chain link onto the cross, think about the ways in which you are willing to identify with Jesus on the cross. It might be that you too are willing to see that you were part of putting Jesus on the cross, and therefore you will attach your link. It may be that you have experienced recently what it means to be humiliated, and so you attach your link. It may be that you have a hope in the resurrection, just as Jesus did when he died, and you want to attach your link in that hope. 
There are many reasons we might want to link together to identify with the crucified Lord. So pick one or two or three and commit to live out the hard way of Jesus and to choose then to lay down your life for the people around you as Jesus has laid down his life for us. And maybe that's the preeminent connection for being linked, that we are willing to love the way Jesus loved. As you have a moment to reflect, we invite you to come forward and to be able to link yourself with the crucified Lord.